This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome to the Evan Roberts Podcast, the John Minko Interview Part 3. Hopefully, you have just finished Part 2, where Mink gave some incredibly juicy stories about the birth of WFAN. And right at the very end, he was talking about how there were many examples of where it looked like the old bosses of WFAN were trying to get John Minko to quit. And one of those examples was at midnight when Mink's shift was supposed to end and the next update guy was supposed to show up. He completely no-showed. And then Mink had to come back, not only fill in for that shift that the guy no-showed, but then come back and work at noon. And Dove suggested, who is with us, Dove Kramer, that Mark Boyle, the man who no-showed, would never no-show on purpose. While Mink was convinced there was some kind of conspiracy going on. Well, in the midst of episode two ending... Dove reached out to Mark Boyle to find out all these years later the truth. Dove, what did you uncover? Uh, well, first of all, it's great to speak to Mark. We spoke for about a half an hour. But he, he says, first of all, it's 30 years ago. doesn't remember that specific day or date or, or, or time. He would never, he insisted, would never just not show up. He does remember about that time frame. Remember, that's when everyone picks up in the air. They didn't know if it would continue as a station, as right, a sports right, station, right. he flew out to, to St. Louis to interview at KMOX for a job there, which he eventually got the job there and moved to St. Louis. So he does remember having to ask for a shift off to go to St. Louis to interview. So it wasn't him who said, I'm not, I just didn't show. It was the, it would have been the people who make the schedule who didn't find somebody else well, to replace him. What do you make of that, Mick? I think uh, when when it was all done and I had to start at noon the next day, I just like in passing said something to the general manager, and he said, it's "No big deal." <laughs> but again, it, that doesn't mean it's Mark. It could have no, been that they I, decided. I, I, I understand. I'm I'm not questioning any motivation. I don't know what the motivation. All I'm saying that this scenario happened. Well, and I think you gave plenty of examples in episode two, and certainly this right now that there were enough weird things that were occurring that were unfair to you that certainly makes you think and makes you think to this day that management wanted you frustrated and they wanted you to quit. And there was an, there was one other instance that I did not include, and I was doing Midnight to Six in the very beginning, and on they wanted me actually to host an NBA show. Really? And I actually did. I actually reached out. And, um, and Sunday mornings was in flux at, at that time, and... Pete Stemkowski did a, a hockey show for a half hour. That's it. We had and, a half hour show on this radio and station. And a half hour. And yeah. I did an NBA show for a half hour. Now, they did not want that NBA show taped. so And it ran at 1030 in the morning. So basically what they wanted me to do, and they wanted live guests. Right. They wanted live, live guests. guests on a Sunday and morning I at 1030. And I had to book the guests. <laughs> not but, just guests, but like players. Players. And what ended up <laughs> happening was... 
midnight to 6, 6 a.m., I'd go upstairs. I'd have to sleep on the floor mm. for like three and a half hours and then wake up around 9.30. And there was no money for this. And then at 10.30. But how I got around with the guests, because I was a year or two removed from the Indiana Pacers. Oh, you'd I, probably get good guests, right? I did have contacts. I knew where, because at that time, NBA teams fl- flew commercial. Mm. When I was with the Pacers, we flew commercial. We didn't charter. And so I knew the hotels because they basically were the Pacer hotels. Right. And I would call these hotels and leave messages (laughs) for some of the players because the security was not as it is today. Right. And they would call in the middle of the night, and I would record the interview. Oh, that's great. And run it as if it was live. The next day. I mean, that's pretty. The bosses must have loved that show then, right? If you're getting big time NBA oh, the, guys. No, they would never give me any credit for anything. <laughs> Did they know it wasn't live? No. And that's easy to pretend, though. I mean, that's an easy one. Oh, yeah. We still do that to this day if we can't get someone on between 10 and 1. You know, it's easy to <laughs> but record it. But we don't hide it. it. Uh, no, but, but, we usually don't. Some do. But, but, that's, <laughs> we don't. but, but that's, a, that's the thing. I would show up on a Saturday night at around 10 30, quarter to 11. For the midnight shift, I would not get home until afternoon the next day. Amazing. Uh, did you like doing the NBA show? It was fun. Oh. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't. I remember having Randy Whitman and Wayman Tisdale and some of the players. Dominique Wilkins called in one night. Wow, uh, that's I awesome. remember doing an interview with Clyde Lavellet. Mm. And um, and, and uh, but how? Other than that, I I don't remember much about it. Do you remember how long you did it for? No. Could you guess? Was it a month? Was it a year? I, I, I with Stemkowski there, uh, it probably was seasonal, so it probably went till about February of the following year. All right, so we are about just to get an idea of where we are time wise. We're about a year to two years into the birth of WFN at this point. When you're doing this kind of stuff, um, that, uh, no, that's the first year. First oh, year. we're still in the first year. Yeah, okay. Oh yeah. And you <laughs> mentioned in episode two, things were precarious at the station. There was a chance they were going to shut it down. At what point did you sense? that things were turning and the station was no longer on life support. Did you get that sense in year two or three? Yeah, because uh, in in my opinion, the person that is responsible for everyone here, and even today, mm-hmm. is Imus. Uh, Imus stabilized this entire frequency, <laughs> I guess, place, whatever you want to call it. Um, if, and he, what he did... Basically, was he was in still, you know, a tremendous radio. He's the smartest person in, in radio that I've ever come across, and he was able to bring money into the radio station to help support everything else. And then when everything else, you know, found its niche, then the station is what it is today. At what point, in my Opinion. No, and I think that that makes a lot of sense, and certainly he history also, has shown that. He also did a great job of bringing people from the sports shows into his six to, to ten to make them famous, right? Right, and also make it a, a continuous day. Right, even though he had his show end with saying this is the broadcast day. Right, I know, <laughs> I still remember that. <laughs> what? When did that happen? Was that uh, in the middle of year two, and that deal occurred? And when that was announced, what was the reaction around here? That oh, I miss is coming. Um, I didn't know what to think when I heard the announcement. And, uh, and two, it happened. See, it, another strange quirk. We were the Met station, 10.50 a.m., and as we get ready to take on the Dodgers in the playoffs, 
we actually switched frequencies. In the middle of the playoffs? Yes. That's when it went to 660? It went to 660. Wow. And the, the, Mets were n- the Mets were not happy with wow, it. Wow, because it's confusing. <laughs> because all of a sudden, their network flagship changes frequency. Well, that's a much better signal, 660. Jeez, well, boy, I know that, but they still... confusing to have that happen <laughs> in the middle the of the postseason. The season. Yeah. And they actually flipped the switch. There was a news conference, and I remember Imus and Joel Hollander and, and Pete Franklin we're all at Chase Stadium uh, when they actually flipped the switch. I believe it was like on a 6 o'clock uh, because I, I do remember watching on Channel 4 and Channel 7, uh, ABC and WNBC, the final moments of WNBC. That's another one of the historical things about WFAM. We not only ended the history of one legendary radio station, we ended two. Right, WNBC. <laughs> We had the two. Is that is that how we got Imus? Because Imus was on WNBC, right? He was the morning right. guy at WNBC. You know, uh, te- technically, in reality, Imus did not come to us. We, we all went to him. <laughs> right, we came to Although Imus. he came to our studios, but it, yes. Right. Oh, he, oh, boy, he loved those studios. Well, I mean, it's clear. <laughs> who, who couldn't love the Astoria studios? For those who've never heard or seen it, it's, it was a basement. And it was a basement. Sub-basement. Sub-basement. <laughs> yeah, sure. And it had some issues. There would be some, you know, holes in the ceiling. <laughs> there may have been some rodents around. It was, uh, it was not a palatial estate. To, to say it night. So Imus came after the Mets. The Mets were a part of the station before the, the, Imus. The Mets were part of the country station. They yes. were on WHN. So we inherited the Mets. Correct. Okay. I mean, it's not we because the same owners who had the country station kept the Mets. Actually called themselves, even before they made it FAN, they were using the moniker Sports Radio 1050 for WHN. Gotcha. Gotcha. It was so much so that, and of course, uh, the icon can vouch for this, that the Original program director at WFAN actually wanted to put updates every 15 minutes during the Met game. Oh, my God. That, that, is, <laughs> that is true. Oh, my goodness. Well, that was sacrosanct. You know, the updates, giving information, was right. how can you break that up? Right, right, that right. That was the radio station. And I, the host complimented the yeah, update You people. mentioned that in episode two, and the reason why, as crazy as that sounds today, it does make sense, is that how else were you getting sports information? Now you can go on your phone, you can go on the internet, it's easy to get it. At that point, it wasn't. I mean, you're no. usually calling that it was sports, sports phone. Number. Right, sports and, phone. And that was the, the, that was the original Ooh. premise of the radio station, was to put sports phone out of business. Pete Franklin, right? You mentioned his name. What was he like? Very quiet. He was a quiet guy? Very quiet. When he did his show, and he didn't talk to very many people. Um, his yeah. last day, he did talk to me. What did he say? And... Uh, well, he said, well, nice complimentary thing. Oh, he was nice to you. Yeah. But at the time when he was working there, you guys never no, really conversed No, we never knew him. Uh, and, and he didn't take direction very well. Uh, <laughs> there was a program director that came in. And back in those days, uh, radio was such that it was all time, temperature, and call letters. You had to give the call letters on the air. So all the time, you know, you're on the fan. So uh, the program director goes to Pete Franklin. He says, you know, I, I think your show is good, but you're just not giving the call letters enough. And <laughs> Franklin, I mean, it, it, the expression on his, because I was in there when this happened, and, and the expression on his face, I mean, he didn't say nothing. He didn't complain. He didn't yell at the program director. Nothing. He didn't say anything. Program director leaves, and he proceeds to go on the air, and he says, 
This is Pete Franklin. This is WFAN. I am uh, sitting here on this chair that is owned by WFAN, <laughs> talking into this mic to WFAN. Now, this signal goes from WFAN Studios to the FAN transmitter site <laughs> up, and everybody is listening right now to WFAN. <laughs> we are all sports in New York. WFAN, if you missed the call letter, and he went, uh, and then he takes a call letter, uh, a phone, and he goes, okay, let's go to our WFAN phone line. So who is the first person that's going to talk on WFAN here today? And, and it was a a, 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 a a young person that wanted to get Joe Walton fired as coach. Of the, of the Wait, Jets. was that Joe Beningo? Was that Joe from Saddle River? <laughs> Joe from Saddle River. But anyway, so Pete Franklin said, oh, you don't like Joe Walton on WFAN? Would you propose that he get fired as a result of WFAN? Or And he just went on and on. And he and he disliked the program uh, director so much. They says if you have any problems with WFAN here on WFAN, which you're listening to WFAN, he says this is the private phone oh, line geez. into his office. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and the phone's like rang off the hook in his office. That's very Howard Stern like, by the way. It reminds <laughs> me of something I would have heard but from that's, him. That, that's a true story well, from Pete Franklin. Was he a good host? Did you think he was a good talk show host? What he didn't relate. Uh, oh yeah, see how how could you be as successful as he was and not be good? I mean, it, he a, a legend at three W E in Cleveland, and I know that, that that word is thrown around a lot. It wasn't with him. He was a legend, and he actually did do mornings at three W E at the end, and it didn't work out. Comes to F A N to do afternoons and. And the folks that hire him, you know, you know, was going back on his history and everything like that. But he he was a light-hearted look at sports and uh, of that nature. I think that's the best way. And he had a shtick, but that shtick did not. Work and the shtick was what exactly? He was mean to callers. Uh, yeah, he was mean to callers. He would yell at callers. He would call them fools. And, he, he would and tell things like the that. guys in the control room ahead of time. But the next caller, no matter what he says, I'm going to yell at him. <laughs> <laughs> so it's pre-planned. Isn't it kind of contradictory though to say he took a lighthearted look at sports, but then was mean to callers? I think what Sean means, and if not, it's what I my perception of it Go is. Ahead. He was a, a classic. Middle of America talk show host, where if you're a sports fan, you like hearing about sports. Right. In New York, you have to have the passion the fans do to really relate to them. He didn't have that same passion that like you and Joe have for this, the teams you love. And listeners here can sense that and they couldn't connect with him. So what would he yell at callers about then? Just saying, you know what I mean? Like what was... was it, it, it didn't matter. It, was, it didn't matter. <laughs> it didn't matter. No. People were entertained by some hearing somebody yell. I think Bob Grant was the same way at right, ABC. Right, right, right. At OR. I got you. Yeah. Now, Imus is coming, all right? Or we're going to Imus. There has been a story, you have kind of told me bits and pieces about it, that there was a time period before Imus took over that WFA needed somebody to do mornings, and that's where the Mink Morning Zoo comes into focus what there was and this is not one of the great moments in my broadcast this sounds really great actually but 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 the thing was there was three weeks in between greg gumbel and imason and mark mason was the program director and he he did not and i would give him credit with imason for saving the station because what he brought some structures to us 
Well, Mark Mason was the first legitimate program director in the history at, of the station. At what point is he the fourth program director, the fifth program? Like what number of program director are we up to at this point uh, when Mason one, takes two, over? I would say third. I think the third. And it, so he was the third hitter. And it was a good one because yeah. he made yes. a lot of good decisions yes. we'll get to. And, and so there was three weeks in there, and he did not want to disrupt the other day parts. Right. It was Ed and Mike. Eddie Coleman and Mike Francesa did middays, yes. and Pete Franklin did afternoon drive. Yeah. That is the schedule of WFN. Yeah. So, okay. so th- he asked me, he said, you want to do this for three weeks? And I said, sure. At that point, with Mason <laughs> taking over and him saying, hey, can you do a morning show for three weeks, it, has things changed as far as the way management feels about you? It sounds like things are more positive now if they're willing to give you that. Uh, things were um, not totally, but things were better. They, I were mean, better. they weren't doing anything. You see, the other thing about, and, and I thought about this, um, you know, after we did segment two, it, and with all these things, especially with the weekends being like only like, you know, very minimal. And, you know, I did not, coming from Indiana, I didn't know what a union was. I didn't, all I knew is I paid dues. I didn't know that, you know, there were structures and there were specific time off periods and, uh, and things like that. I had no idea. I never worked for a union before. Right. I, I had no idea what it was. I didn't know what they did. I didn't know if there was any plans. We didn't have a shop steward. Um, so there was no one to, for me to go complain to um, or, or any of that. And because usually, you know, in Indiana and the small market radio, which I worked, you know, they tell you to do something, you do it. And and that's all there was to it, you know. And I come here and they're telling me to do things that are, you know, totally. But I had no idea. I had nothing to compare right. it to. Right, right. So I you just thought s- this was the way so it I is. Ne- so, so when I Mark never, Mason came anything. in, when Mason came in, did you feel insecure they were trying to push you out still? Or at that point, you felt like you, you were. <laughs> uh, did I feel oh, insecure? Um, uh, yeah, he, he did try to push me out. Mark Mason did. Yes, he did. Uh, we talked about that. What did he say? I say he said, you know, you, you did fire me. Because I do remember that day, and um, he he gave me like four months. He said I could take days off, whatever I wanted, to find a new job, and um, and I remember walking into the newsroom, and and Len Weiner comes up to me, one of the producers, early producers, obviously, executive and, producer. and, and uh, exe- yeah, he was an executive, pro- and, and said, "Boy, your face is white. Are you all right?" I said, I n- "And I never told anybody," and uh, that was blocked. <laughs> Jeez. So at what point did you feel like you weren't an outsider, that you were really, you know, part of the station? You know what? I, 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 think, I think that this is, this is what happened. And this is for young sportscasters that, that want everything now. And there was uh, – Susan Waldman was covering the Knicks. And Susan Waldman – ended up going down to Florida to cover the Yankees, <laughs> right? which left the void with the Knicks doing pre and post and, and just covering the team. We actually, you know, we covered them, you know, wall to wall back then. The Knicks were playing the Celtics in, in the deciding game at the Boston Garden, uh, the Patrick Ewing game, and the Knicks won that game and ended up taking on the Pistons. I got done with midnight. To, uh, no, I wasn't. I, I had... I forget. I, I guess I was off or whatever. We had no one to to go, and I talked to Mason. And I said, "I'll go," 
I said, you, don't you volunteer to, to yeah. go. I said, right. you don't right. have to pay me or anything. I said, I'll park on the street. I'll find a place to park. Just get me a credential, and I'll bring my tape recorder, and I'll do a, a, a pregame hit and a postgame hit and send you tape from the locker room, period. No money. And so he said, yes. I of did. course, no, no money. money. I mean, oh. <laughs> yeah. but but the moral we'll of that story, <laughs> the moral, the moral <laughs> of that story was, he sent me to Detroit. I ended up doing shows, believe it or not, right from uh, from the um, the Palace of Auburn Hills, covered the team, did a pre pre before Jim Carvelis was doing play by play, and that was part of my schedule. And if it wasn't for to me, if it wasn't for me doing that thing for free, the freebie in Boston, I would never have ever done play by play for the Knicks. Wow! Probably would never have ever done play by play for the Nets, and probably, perhaps, never have done play by play for St. John's. So that decision to say, you know to what, do it for nothing, I'm going to do it for nothing. It you think is parlayed into all right. of that? It parlayed into all that, and I felt that I belonged. Wow. wow, that's great. And here you are 29 years later, and you're still doing it for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. <laughs> Close. <laughs> Think about that, Mick. Right, what's changed? So you were told by Mark Mason, would you like to do the morning show for three weeks till Don Imus comes? Yeah. Now, did you come up with the name, the Minko Morning hey. Zoo? No. Who came up with that name? Uh, the <laughs> producer by the name of Al McCandless. Al McCandless said, let's call it the Minko Morning we, Zoo. We actually, believe it or not, we had a board op and two producers. We actually had wow. Al McCandless and a person by the name of Frank McKenna. And we had two producers for that show. So what was it like? What did the sound of the Minko Morning Zoo feel like? Can I share one of the bits you did? It wasn't good. One he, of his bits that he yes, did. He, yes. I'd like actually, to hear that, please. He, he actually recorded... Row, row, row the boat multiple times and played it back with only Minko doing the row, row, row your boat and then coming in the middle, row, row, row your boat and came the whole stanza through and through and played it on the air. <laughs> can you can you give us an example? Can we hear you sing? We, no, we still have it in our computer. Oh, you, you do? Oh, yes, we do. What was the idea behind it? Just that it was funny? Uh, because it was heavy rain oh. uh, it, uh, during the daytime and... I I equated it as if you know when I was growing up we we would sing like in grammar school rounds, so you say row 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 your boat and then the next section row 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 your boat. So I figured I'd do that and do my own round by myself, right, like a multi track kind of thing. <laughs> Who is in the studio with you when you did the Minko Morning Zoo? Just you, or did you have some co-hosts? Uh, no, we uh, we had a, a lady that did news was okay. Janet Rose, mm -hmm. and we had a person that did updates was uh, John Stashauer. John Stashauer at, at that time, and okay. that was the that was the morning team. Did you think it was good shows for three weeks? Did you like what you did? No, a matter of fact, <laughs> when when, when no. Mark Mason told me that th this particular Friday was the last time, uh, uh, I, I was like relieved. I was I was very happy to so get back. So you were back not to trying to parlay this into the Mingo <laughs> no, afternoon no, zoo. Absolutely. How are the ratings? The, uh, see, that's an interesting thing. Uh oh, they so, were huge, weren't they? <laughs> so, so when the fall ratings come out, and and I go in the studio uh, to sit next to Imus. Imus is going, you know, patting himself on the back for four hours. Oh, the ratings are this. Uh, he said this, this. Oh, look at my ratings, my ratings, my ratings. 
So I don't know how I had the nerve, but I sat down and um, I said, um, aren't you going to congratulate me? <laughs> and, and he goes, for what? Two of those weeks were me. <laughs> and what did he say? He just like wanted to strangle me. <laughs> so you did, get, you performed well for two of those weeks. I don't well, think they uh, broke it down by weeks. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it now. A, it's a different rating format now. But that's, we can that's look what at. it was. Wow. <laughs> so <laughs> after after you did the Minko Morning Zoo, you said you're in the studio with Don Imus. Were you doing sports in the morning? Did you no. part? So why were you in the studio with Imus? No, because I I I did the then I went back to doing regular updates. You know, noon to six. Right, but you said you're in the studio with Imus. Imus is doing the morning show because at that time there was a time that Mike Bream. Decided Mike did the sports for Imus, and, uh, and actually Don Crinky. Yeah, it was Crinky. And um, and the update shift was at 10 a.m. till 5:40. Oh my God, that's a that's seven hours and 40 minutes if my math is correct. Yeah. So you there was a crossover. So, so at I that would point. come in at, at, at 10 o'clock. Right. And and Imus would be where you're sitting, and uh, normally he would not. Uh, matter of fact, the first day of Imus. Imus uh, started the first day. I get a phone call at 4 o'clock in the morning. or Actually, maybe 3.30. 3.30, quarter to 4, something like that. It's Mark Mason. He says, today is Don Imus's first day. I said, uh, and I'm there like half asleep. And, <laughs> and Sue Guzman was the pers- lady that wrote the news for Charles McCord. She called in sick. So Mason called me to come in and write the news oh, for Charles no. McCord. Oh, boy. And that was, uh, so I go in there and I write the, you know, the news. And, I, you know, I, I've been listening to Charles McCord forever. And, and, and I, you know, I made sure I told him. I said, I'm not a professional news writer. <laughs> and uh, he, he was fine. He was fine about it. And uh, then at 10 o'clock, I get ready to do the 10 o'clock update because they didn't, they weren't going to, you know, fill my shift. <laughs> so basically, I worked from like 4 a.m. till oh, 5, God. 6 p.m. Jeez. So I, I go in there and, and, and Imus looks at me and he says, Who the hell are you? <laughs> <laughs> the guy that gave you good ratings for two weeks. <laughs> and, and, and so I reached out with my hand. My arm is shaking. Right. I said, My name is John Minko. <laughs> and he didn't shake hands. <laughs> he just looks at me. He said, and he started growling. <laughs> he just growled at you. <laughs> oh gosh. So this is was this very similar to the relationship you would have with Imus for the next decade? That it was more of a yes. a grunt relationship. Always, always because uh, I would come back uh, uh, and do sports, and then he'd get upset with me and fire me from the program. I got fired from him four times. Wow. On the program, and, and the fourth time, I said, you know, I said you're a bunch of hot air. He says, you know, I'm coming back. I said, I can't tell you when. But you know I'm coming back. I said, so why bother doing this? And he and he didn't say nothing. Wouldn't you know? I was back doing sports within four months. Wait, so when he would fire you, how how would he rehire you? How no, would that go? It, I mean, this was not not fired, fired from, from the station. No, he was doing sports with Imus, right? Yeah, no. I mean, it, it was a shtick. No, no, I get that. But what, how would he bring you back to the show? And what would he do? He, he said, "Well, we need somebody to do sports." I'm the only, and I'm the only one that would do it. <laughs> wow! So Imus takes over. Now you're starting to feel like, all right, this station—it's bringing in a lot of money because Imus, even with yeah. he, he built an incredibly high number. 
yeah. until the very end. When did they start to shake up the sound of the station? Because you had mentioned it was about the update. It wasn't about the host. It no, was about I, the I information. Miss. So I that and, and caused then, it, too? And then over a sudden, you know, Mike and the Mad Dog, you know, started. And uh, I've always thought, and I have not wavered on this, that the WFAN Mount Rushmore, mm-hmm. and it's, to me, it's the same today, is Jeff Schmullion, Imus, Mike and the Mad Dog, and the Mets. I believe that that is the history of this radio station. Yeah, that all of those things needed to occur for it to become what it became. You know, starting with yes. having the Mets for credibility, Smolian creating it, obviously. Yep. Don Imus to, to bring in money yep. and credibility as well, and then obviously and then Mike and Mike the Mad Dog taking and sports talk. I mean, we had, the same, we had the same afternoon and morning drive team for 16, 17 yeah. years. It's an incredible run. That's so I mean that's that's half the station. When did they history. when they f- do you remember when they got rid of Pete Franklin? Do you remember the transition of afternoon drive of Franklin I mean, to his did, replacement? I mean, it, 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 he they just said he was retired. They didn't say he was fired. Oh they okay, so it was a he's leaving. Yeah, kind of I mean, he had a final show. I still yeah. had that show. Really? What did on, it sound like the final show? On his cassette. I, you know what? I, I I haven't listened to Did it. Did he end it by saying "I love you, goodbye"? You know what? I don't I remember. Only say that I, that's how Mike ended it. When his contract expired, just didn't renew him. So it yeah. wasn't. It, it wasn't, wasn't a, a fire. Okay. Right. No, it, you know, it wasn't. You know, you're out the door was, type of thing. Was his leaving Mike and the Mad Dog came right after that, or was there anything in between Franklin and Mike and Chris? You're thinking, so you don't recall. I think it was I, right. I, I don't recall. Okay, that's fine. Think who? I think it was right from. It was right from from, from Pete. Yeah. Do you remember hearing Mike and the Mad Dog for the first time when they were paired together? Yeah, I was there. You were there for the birth of Mike and the Mad Dog. Oh yeah. Do you remember? Because Mike has talked about this, and the dog has talked about it. That at first, when they were told they didn't want to work together, Mike said, "I want to do afternoon drive by himself." I think that's on record. That was in that thirty for thirty. Dog wanted to do it. You know, by himself, too. What did you think of the individuals before they were paired? Like, what did you think of Mike, who was doing middays, and what did you think of Dog before they were no, put together? I mean, I mean, they both did sports with Imus, and, um, and um, you know, I'm friendly with them. No, no, I don't oh, mean that. Always. I mean, did you think that that, that, comp- that that it could work? Yeah. Not after the first day. <laughs> <laughs> the first day, and I was there for that. I mean, that, that was, I mean, uh, Mike wouldn't let Chris talk. And Chris likes to yell and do these monologues, and it was like it was like stereo. They both would talk at the same time. And you were you doing updates for the first ever Mike and the Mad Dog oh, show? Yeah. So you, I, there, you really I, were there, like you said. Oh yeah, no, I I did updates for Pete Franklin and right into Mike and Chris. Is there a point? Maybe it wasn't early on when you said, "Okay, now this could work." Because if the first day Mike's not letting Dog talk, they clearly yeah, don't want to do the, the show second together. week. I thought. Oh, so it was quick. Uh, no, it, it was quick because they went to number one pretty quick. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, I don't know exactly why. I'm not a programmer. But, uh, you know, first, second week, it became pretty good. Yeah, because it's – when I think of Mike and Chris growing up listening to them, they're perfect together. They complement each other oh, yeah. perfectly, right? They both know when to talk, know when the other guy's going to talk. They're so different. It's a perfect show. We all know that. And it's fascinating to hear how that first day, how much of a mess it was. You know, how you know, Mike's not like, and to think that that quickly. You're saying the second week, I think boom, the second that's week. it, it's on. Yeah, I, I think so. Wow. I, it, it was that quick. And, uh, I mean, 
Mike and the Mad Dog, they did it for 16, 17, 18. I forget how many. 19. Uh, 19. Okay. Well, we keep going, going. <laughs> and 19 years. Just short of they 20. They did it for, for 19 years. And um, this is not a, a situation in which there was a slow climb to the top. No, it was boom. No. It was It right. went from, you know, I, you know what? I, I don't recall what how Pete Franklin's ratings were. But, but um, they became number one pretty quick. So at that point. The station is strong now. It's got Imus. It's got Mike and the Mad Dog. Yeah. It's got the Mets. Lots of remotes. Uh, lots of commercials. Well, <laughs> still we lots know of something updates. about that. <laughs> <laughs> lots of updates. And now you're feeling as if you're you know, part I, of the fabric, I'm, right? I'm beginning to feel you know, pretty good. Beginning? I mean, you're doing updates for Mike. You're doing updates afternoon drive. You're still around. The station's successful. I mean, at this point, you have to feel as if you're in. Right? Yeah, uh, but 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 you know, but there there's the other difference though. By that time, Emmis had sold, had sold the station, had sold the station. So, so technically, my security blanket not there anymore. I was just about to ask you about that. And so, so I I always knew about you know that, and you know, considering the business, and considering what Mason tried to do before, now he could do it. And actually, it would happen. So, but wait, wait, but by the same token, the motivation isn't there either. No, the, the motivation was because they there. were scared that you were the mole. If it's not Emerson anymore, you're not a mole. No. So, the, in a way, that helps because if you listen back to episode two, Minko is in the meetings when this station is created, and the perception is. You're the mole back Some in the meetings. Not, well, Some of the meetings. You're yeah. the mole giving information back to the parent company. Now it's a new parent company. So Dove's kind of right that you can't be a mole anymore. Who you, might, you you do lose your security blanket, but you're no longer, you should no longer be yeah. considered. You're not a threat. Yeah. No. How can you? But I never, but that's the problem. I was never a threat. But they didn't know that. They didn't know that. Yeah, I, you know that. I know that now. Dove knows that now. But the people there didn't think that. They thought you were going to potentially give information back to the ownership of the company, and, and, and that's and not by the case. That, by that time, I was, you know, steady doing pre and post for the Knicks. So I mean, it, I did that, for, I don't know how many years, but quite a while I did that. Did you like doing that? Yeah. I mean, it, I What's mean. What's the air about you? There's some aspect of it you didn't like, apparently. No, because I always loved doing play-by-play. So, okay, so you wanted to do the play-by-play. Uh, well, um, I mean, I if the, I be, and eventually it ended up, um, uh, Mike, Bream was doing the play-by-play after Jim Carbellis uh, had left. And um, Mike had, um, I don't know what he had, but there was one game that he couldn't make, and and I'm the one that did it. How gr- What game was it? Do you remember? It was a Saturday night against the Hawks. And I was looking, you know, and it was, you know, the Ewing and the Oakley and and uh, and all that. And I was so much looking, obviously I was looking forward to it. And, and then all of a sudden, I get to the and Ewing's not playing, mm. and it, Herb Williams is the center, <laughs> who who is a friend of mine, and Herb had, Herb had a uh, tremendous game, I mean filling in for Patrick, and I remember Susan did the the pre and the post, and Susan knew that I was always friends with Herb, right, and so Susan's down there, Susan looks up at me. And I go, I start cheering, <laughs> and, and the, because of because of what Herb did in the beginning of the right. <laughs> Herb did in was, the beginning. Was that your first Nick game? That was my play first play? Nick game, play by play. How many more would come? 
Would you get any? Uh, quite a few in 1998, 99. It's a good time. Be- because um, uh, Mike, uh, what ended up happening was Marv Albert was, was doing the television and had gotten into some legal trouble, I guess, whatever, however you want to term it. And I remember driving home one day and I said, you know, this might affect me. And Mike Breen moved from radio to television and the radio was split between me and Gus Johnson. Wow. And I did close to 40 games That's, that year. Wow. And because I was doing pre and post, I was not charged vacation days to go run around with the Knicks. Uh, so if you were just doing play-by-play, you'd be charged vacation days? Yeah. And we had the Knicks on our radio station. Yeah. So this is not you going, you know, moonlighting no, I, somewhere I, else. No. Why would, if we have them on our station, why wouldn't that be part of just working uh, at I the did station? Brooklyn, I did Brooklyn Nets. I was well, we're going to get to that. Calm no, down. Yeah, we'll just, just to answer your questions, yes. MSG produced the broadcast. Yeah. Okay. So and they, they were for MSG. So, like, right now, gotcha. if he did a, a game for St. John's and can't do his updates... It's a vacation day for him. Right. Even though the Knicks were, st- were on, on our, our radio station, right, but it was being produced by MSG. Correct. Okay. Correct. Yeah. Uh, did you do playoff games that year? I did one. I did a playoff game, 19. I did Knicks and Heat in, in Miami. It's one of the great moments, at least internally, that I've ever had was getting to do a Nick playoff game with Walt Frazier. Yeah. That was, uh, that was pretty good. Did you, at this point, all right, so we're in 1999, 1998, I think you said, actually. So the station's been around for a decade. You're doing Nick games. You're in the mix. Did it ever occur to you, this is really what I want to do? I, I want to get an NBA play-by-play job, and even if it means moving oh, I my – wanted uh, always uh, going back to Indiana so days. Did, but my point I is mean, here you my, are my, doing My highlights to Indiana w- w- were doing all these high school games no, that I, I did. I get it, but now you've got the Knicks on your resume. Did yeah. you try to get a play-by-play job elsewhere? Um, not really. There was um, – there was an opportunity Ooh. that I did interview for. Where? Uh, the 76ers. Play-by-play guy. Yeah. And you didn't get the job, or they offered it? What happened? They actually did offer it. You got offered the Philadelphia 76er play-by-play job? And um, and uh, John Lucas was the coach at, at that time, because I remember walking, pa- and it was at the old Spectrum, and I remember walking past his office. And, and, they, um, and I forget who interviewed me. And they did offer me the job, and basically they said, you get paid blank per game, and that figure will not change. <laughs> Was it a bad figure? Yes. Was and, it an insulting and, figure? And I'm driving up the New Jersey Turnpike, and I said to myself, I'm actually going to turn down an NBA play-by-play job. Because of the money. Because of the money. It was it, just too it, low. It, I mean, it, it was too low. They they said we'll get we'll try and get you to do updates on WIP, and it says to During help the boost season. it up. During the off season. During the off season, and uh, I I I just said to myself I said I can't I can't do this. Mm. You have regrets about that at all? No, 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 I couldn't I couldn't do it. No, I, I listen. It's it's tough. I mean, you were you were going to end up making significantly less than the, what you're making at the fan. Significantly. Significantly, and your wife would have been. I can't, we're not doing this. <laughs> Is that fair to say? Yeah, probably. Was there any other potential opportunities? Because you could have shopped yourself. I mean, uh, yeah, there's one, but we don't need to go into whoa, that. Whoa, whoa, but whoa, that whoa, 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 whoa. We, we, we don't need All to right, go into that. Do it. Yeah. When ESPN Radio locally started, they called me. To do what? Offer me a job 
uh, in the afternoons doing updates and, and, and complimenting their hosts. Interesting. And you easily turn that down? Yes. Yeah. That's different, though, because that's leaving your job to do something that's the same. Um, right. You said you said this in episode one. You just said it now. You want to do play-by-play. You know, we talked mm-hmm. about this in Growing Up, John Minko, when you said, hey, my dream is to be a play-by-play announcer, to do basketball. That's clearly your dream. So that's different than a competing radio station saying, hey, we want to take you, maybe even pay you more money to do the same job. Now, no, we never got that part. Uh, was, you turned that immediately. Was, oh, immediately. Yeah, look at you. Look at you how loyal you are. You're like the Undertaker in the WWE. <laughs> he would never go to WCW. And luckily for him, he didn't because WCW went belly up. It would have been a big mistake. Um, the following years now, where is your play-by-play duties going with the Knicks? Because you had this pinnacle year in 1998. You're doing half the games. You're doing a playoff game. What happened from there? Uh, we get to 98-99, and Marv Albert comes back to do radio play-by-play, and he did, and it was a strike year, and um, he missed a couple of games. He was ill, and, and I filled in. And the last Nick game I ever did was in the Sky Dome. No, no, it wasn't. It was uh, actually in the um, the new place. It, uh, Air Canada Arena was brand new. And I did it with John Andres. It was an overtime game. Charles Oakley was playing for the Raptors. Mm. Oakley, who I knew, still do, uh, was my pregame guest. Uh, matter of fact, all the New York writers were all around him. And Oakley says, I'm only talking to him. Yeah, I love it. And, <laughs> Loyalty and, uh, right there. And that's uh, and so that was uh, that. And uh, that was my last Nick game. And they changed stations. And um, I was finished with the Knicks. Yeah, I mean, they, they changed stations. It comes down to that. You yeah. know, there wasn't a, a chance to continue so that, doing so play So that happened play. 19 years ago. At what point did we get the Nets? Did we get the Nets immediately? Or was it a few years? Uh, you know what? I don't know. Well, I'll ask it this way then. When did you do your first Nets game? I think you'll remember the that. First Nets game was in Minnesota. Jason Kidd was was the the point guard, and we sat right next to the bench. And it was in Minnesota on a Sunday afternoon against the Timberwolves. Was that because oh. I remember we 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 stayed in a a, a five star hotel. And I had to make a call down to the concierge because I didn't know how to work the shower. <laughs> it was too confusing. It's on. <laughs> oh, the, it was more than that. I can imagine. I've seen some of these things. They're confusing. <laughs> were, was, were you ever trying to get back into the play-by-play game when the Knicks left? Or was it, all right, it's just not happening. We don't have an NBA team. You know, It is what it is. I wasn't going to move. You weren't going to move. No. I mean, At that point in your I life, mean, I, I get it. I was, you know, I had made it to the NBA. I mean, right. you know, and I, I, I can't say I was content, but, but you know, I, I was happy. When did... Army football become a thing for you? 2000. I, I used to uh, um, go to games like once or twice a year at, all the time because I, I enjoyed it. And I became friends with the, uh, the SID. And in 1999, uh, he said, you know, do you think you would like to do play-by-play for this, you know, starting next year? The person that's currently doing it is, is going to retire. And I said, yeah, that's that, that's definitely appealing, and um, and that's and the Knicks by that time were gone. Right, right. So I w- and and uh, after the Knicks had gone, Joel Hollander was running running Westwood One, and he he gave me some uh, Westwood One games, some college games, some generic college football games, uh, not no, Army? no basketball games. 
Oh, college basketball game. After my time with the Knicks. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. And so, uh, the, so Army came, and I, and I said yes to that. And, uh, and I got to do that for 10 years and um, a lot of losing. But, uh, <laughs> but that, that was a tremendous experience. Did you, because I remember when we were talking earlier in episode one about play-by-play, we didn't mention football. Was that your first time doing football? Oh, no. I, I, I Butler football, tons of high school games. And uh, I did Jeff George's career, basically, as a quarterback oh, wow. in high school in Indianapolis. You may have actually said that, and I forgot, to be honest with you. Yeah. But, but where did you rank doing football? Play-by-play. Play. I, lo- I loved doing football. You did? Yeah. As much as basketball or more? Actually, it's it's pretty even. Really? Uh, you know, uh, when I lost the Army job, that was that was What happened? They got rid of me. Why? <laughs> well, we don't need to go into that. Well, I mean, <laughs> if you'd prefer not to get into it, no, we don't have to. But, but you know what, though? It, it, it worked out well because... We came to that point that I could not do Army football, St. John's basketball, and filling in on the Brooklyn Nets. I couldn't do right, it. Was too much we, anyway. That was too much. Well, get, and then work full time. So, it, you know, I didn't like it, right. but getting getting um, released from there right. was the best thing. Yeah, I mean, looking it, at it now. It was the best thing. St. John's basketball. Let's get to that now. When did that start? Uh, that started. You see, there was. No, there was um, I was doing both at the same time. You were doing army football and St. John's yeah, basketball. Th- this at the same will time. be the thirteenth year for St. John's. Wow. How did How did you begin doing that? You know, you, you have your experience obviously doing basketball, and you mentioned you were doing some Westwood One College basketball games. But when and how did the uh, St. John's Crispino thing start? Mike Crispino had been doing St. John's basketball, and basically they. Wanted two things. They wanted somebody to do it cheaper, <laughs> <laughs> That's how and, it and two, they wanted somebody to do every game. Every should not take any games off. No, Nick Crispino couldn't do that. Yeah, Crispino wouldn't do that because he was doing some of the Nick stuff right. on TV and stuff. Right. And so I said, no, I'll, I'll I'll do every game. And that's how I got hired. Wow. Have you done every game for St. John's in the last? Ten plus years, uh, you had to have missed a few. There was there was a <laughs> there was a month <laughs> that I didn't. <laughs> Is that when you were sick? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a fair excuse. But outside of that, I've done every game. You've done every game. How many different analysts have you worked with over the last decade? Countless. <laughs> Which one's your favorite? Is it Brandon Tierney? Uh, no, I don't want to go who the Does Brandon is. Tierney, do you like working with him? Oh, yeah. Uh, no, I have no trouble with any of, of the analysts. Okay. And, and everybody is uniquely different, which, which makes it a, a challenge, <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, doing games because y- 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 I, you never know what you're going to get. Do you, you know, with the experience of doing the Knicks for many years, of doing the Nets, and now, obviously, a lot of doing college basketball. Would you say you have a preference of doing NBA versus college? I, I enjoyed the NBA quite a bit, but 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 you know, I, the, the college is is good. College is exciting when when you have a packed garden and and things like that. You know, it's it's pretty good. Oh yeah. I, well, the one thing, I, and I'm more of an NBA guy, as you know, but the thing about college basketball is the atmosphere. Is just oh, electric. Yeah. It can, it, it, it it can be. Yeah, rare NBA games will get that. Like there'll be some electric in NBA games. I don't want to say it never happens, but it's less frequent than college basketball, where you've got that school spirit, you know, flying through the arena, especially yeah. when you're going to the right place. Yeah, it's good. What's your most memorable St. John's moment that you've had? Oh, um, I mean, there's 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 so many of them. I mean, there was a, a a made shot at the at Cincinnati and Maurice Harkless right at the, at the buzzer, uh, but I would say 
two years ago, one week span in which St. John's had had been losing, losing, and losing, and over a sudden beats Duke at Madison Square Garden, goes down to Wells Fargo and yeah. beats number Villanova. one Villanova that was on crazy. the road. That was crazy. And, and then they come back and <laughs> Uh, Shamari Pons hits for 44 yeah. as uh, they beat Marquette. Th- th- that's probably the most memorable string that I have. So, you know, as a sports fan, I get a stomachache when my team loses. Joe gets a stomachache. We get sick. We get indigestion. Has that now happened for St. John's? I mean, because you do every game, you travel with the team, or you have you become like a fan while you're broadcasting these games? Internally. So you don't express well, you do express it because you want to be more well, favorable express, to the I home express team, it, the home announcer. I express it on, on on the air, but I, you know, if you go out to the Midwest, you know, there's a lot of we's and us's. Yeah, and, we don't do that and, around and, here. Right? We don't do that around right. here. That's fair. You know, any um, you know, Harry Carey is you know, we got to get a run this inning. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, and and, and it wasn't just Harry. I mean, uh, it goes back to you know the Jack Brickhouses who did the Cubs, and uh, you know, uh, you know, and he, and he would cheer. Come on, Ernie, you got to get a hit here, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and things like that. That and that's and that's the way they yeah. did announcing in the Midwest. Oh yeah, and I and I never did much of the wees and us no. here, but, but down inside, I w- want you're passionate. My teams to win. Now, one thing you do do that we have noticed and everyone has noticed is you have a call. Okay. That's a bingo. That's a bingo. Like that. That is mink. Where did that come from? Uh, there are three or four either phrases or ways of doing things that come from Don Fisher, who has done IU basketball and football for is closing in on 50 years. And there are phrases that I use to this day. And every time I think of them, when we come to a, a – um, a key free throw in the final minute, minute and a half, whatever it is. You know, I will say, eyes, flies, hits, and hopefully he does make it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and even to this day, when I when I say that, he pops right into my mind. Mm. So he's that much of an influence. Wow. You know, mm. it, it, it's true. We, we prepare the same way. We start interviews the same way. Uh, sometimes uh, our way of questioning is the same way. Right. Um, spot boards are different. <laughs> uh, What's a spot board? But the uh, uh, where, where I have names and numbers and stats and things that is different from the way. So he when does you it. do a play-by-play broadcast, you have this board set yeah, up board with all the up. information in yep. front of you. Yeah, and um, we start the we start every broadcast with a written script. Every word in the pre is written out. You know, it, it's a good evening, good afternoon. Even my name is on the You don't script. have to write out your name, man. You well, I, have well, I put it there. That's, that's Stan Martin appreciated that. <laughs> is that what Stan Martin wanted? No. no, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Tell me the joke. But, it's but, over but, my but, head. But, but, it, but it, it is the, the, the same way. And, and it, the only other, you know, uh, glitch or what, not glitch, but whatever it is uh, that I have is, when I was with the Indiana Pacers, I had this little bag, and Donnie Walsh felt so bad for me that that I had to carry things w- traveling with the Pacers in this little, and I didn't have what the other people had. He went to management and got me a case that I would put my spot charts and my information and press guides or whatever right. in. 
that case is with me today. They'll it have it. everywhere. A gift from Donnie Walsh. It goes every. I mean, the thing looks like it was from the Civil War. <laughs> and my wife tried to replace it at Christmas time. I said, you can't do that. Uh-huh. I said, this thing is, is, is a relic. And I said, it's my life. I said, this goes everywhere. Will you retire from WFAN or from St. John's first, or would you leave both at the same time? No, uh, I will retire here first. You would retire. So you would probably do play-by-play much longer. Oh, yeah, until they get rid of me. And then, until they get rid of me. Wow. The end. <laughs> that's, it, but not, that's interesting because there are a lot of people. I mean, Joe's one who says, hey, I'm going to retire and I'm done, which I respect. I think I'll be that way someday, too. You're basically saying you're like my dad. You're going to do play-by-play till they either get rid of you or you're not on this earth anymore. Is that a fair statement? That's, that's, that's how much you love it. Yeah, that's fair. That's, that's, that's great. Everybody's different, but that's great. Should we break some news here, John? I, I was in the meeting with the program director yesterday. What? <laughs> what news are you about to break? And uh, he asked me about retirement. or, or, or And uh, I answered the question. And what's the answer? Uh, the answer is... Uh, a, there's no definitive date, but there's always the proverbial but. On July 1st will be the 32nd anniversary of the radio station. And uh, I've been here for the, all 32 years. So there will be, for me, there, there will be a 32nd anniversary, but I doubt there'll be a 33rd. Really? So you're going to retire at some point this year? I didn't say that. You just did. From the FAN. Within a year. From WFAN, yeah. you were going to retire. It could be next with year. It. Well, yeah, it could be June 27th, but the point well, is you will not be around. Is, I don't know. You will not be around on July 1st, 2020, is what you're saying. No, this is 20. No, this is 2019, oh, 20, I don't know what year it is. <laughs> what are you saying? Uh, I, I, odds, <laughs> odds are. I didn't say definitively. You know, I left. Leave There's the a history at the station of people staying to retire and <laughs> not really working out. <laughs> so uh, I, I leave. I just said I doubt it. You so you are leaning towards making this your final year of WFAN. Yeah, I, I will miss the crap out of you, but I do respect that. I mean, it's amazing that you've been here for 32 years, have outlasted everybody. And there's nothing better. I said this about Tony Page. There's nothing better than being able to leave radio or leave your job on your own and not being forced out because 95% of the people in this business get forced out. And you have lasted through it all. I mean, you were here from the beginning. You helped create this freaking place. The example of perseverance is amazing. It really is. Especially on the path train. (laughs) (laughs) And by the way, that's also a reason why you want to quit. It is. I did tell Mark, I said, the the commutes were <laughs> yesterday. I get that. I understand. Yesterday, that. on the same path train, he had a train a few minutes before mine. He had to run <laughs> from the path train to make his engine transit train. I, I definitely think, and Joe, who's been in this studio for part of this, would be—he's not here right now. That's why I'm saying that. He would tell you. I think a main reason why he wants to leave is is the commute. Yeah. I mean, he says it every day, and I, I think it's true. Yeah. So I I understand it. Um, you know, Indiana. At, at the station, and you know, Indianapolis is not New York, but Indianapolis is a nice size city. You know, it took me five minutes. Yeah, I, I lived on the west side of town, and the station was 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 not very far away, and it take me five to ten minutes at the most. So, if the commute was easier, you'd probably make it another handful of years. Oh, we'll we'll never know that. Can I ask you this? I'm very curious, especially as someone who has now said, you know, breaking a little news that. You're probably retiring within a year. That's how I would phrase that. He's not saying 100%, but he's probably going to retire within a year. 
that's that's the the, the headline if, if I had to create one. You've seen how this station started, where it was all about the update. You've seen that change. Obviously, the world has changed. As you leave, Chernoff says, let me ask you a question, Mink. That's not really a good invitation, but I tried. It's pretty good. Okay. What do you think the future of the update at WFN should be? Should we get rid of it? Because they have phased out updates over the years. I mean, there are no 20s and 40s between 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. They've done that now on Saturdays. Like, I, we're, we're not all oblivious to it. We've seen it. Would you continue that? Would you go the other way and say, no, the update's important because not everybody is on their phone while they're driving? What would be your kind of feeling towards the future of the update? No, I think they're important. Okay. Uh, but I, I think they need to be reinvented. How would you reinvent them? Uh, well, you know, I, I'd have to, you know, really think about it. I'm not, you know, I was asked some questions yesterday about them, and, uh, and, and I said, I, I have to think about it. So but that, you, I, I know that seems like a cop-out, but it, it's better than, you know, somebody just spouting out something and, you know, uh, in a month, you know, did I really say that? It's not. I, a, I'd have to think about it's it. It's not a cop-out because you're saying something definitive. You're saying it yeah, needs but, but, to but be that, reinvented. But, but that the definitive thing might not be, you know, what I think a month or two from now. Right. No, but I think your definitive statement is that, well, something has to be different, right? We were in a different world. It's 2019. It's 2020. But the one thing that I did say uh, that in, in the meetings is, is that the 5 o'clock a.m. hour mm -hmm. is the most important hour for updates on this station, in my opinion. Because people are waking up and they want to know what happened? Be because I think... Uh, of course, there are those that are up all night. <laughs> but other than those people, uh, if you get up at 5 o'clock, normally you're going to sleep earlier. Right. So you might be getting the scores for the first time mm. in the 5 o'clock a.m. hour, whereupon other hours of the day, that's not the case. Yeah. You, you want to tell uh, Evan what you plan on doing when you're doing overnights with uh, Tony for Joe? On July 25th. Wait, well, hold on a second. Let's start over. What's happening? Uh, July 25th. Okay. Midnight to 6. Right. I'm doing updates. Wow. Because I want to work with Summers and Tony. Wow. So you're going to do some overnight updates on July 25th. 25th. The morning of July 25th. Wow, very cool. And John knows that Joe wakes up and listens to Harris Allen to get caught up. <laughs> he does That's know right. that. So I am going to say good morning to Joe <laughs> at the 5 o'clock update That's great. on July He better 20. be listening. <laughs> I mean, God, I hope he is. Uh, I'll say something like, well, Joe, here's the weather forecast. I know you're just about waking up out of bed right now. And as far as your golf schedule is concerned, at 4 o'clock <laughs> it'll be, you know, 77 and sunny. Oh, that, yeah, you're definitely retiring within a year then. You know, I know for two reasons. A, you're tearing up, which I should tell everybody. Have you noticed that, though? He's getting emotional, which I, I don't blame you for. I'm not judging you. And two, the fact you're doing that. So you really are going to leave Well, he's that, that's because of Tony year. anyway. He would have done it anyway because of Tony. No, no, no he was tearing up. Oh, oh, for Tony. That's true. Yeah. You know what? That's a fair point. I take that back because yeah. Tony is retiring. That's definitive. Yeah. Wow. What are you going to miss the most? Um, Tough question, man. I don't don't know. say don't. Find something. Find something. Find anything. <laughs> <laughs> no, I miss the people. That's a good I mean, we, we're, you know, I mean, we, the, you know, I may have been here for all 32, and uh, the icon's been here longer than that. He's the longest tenured person here. 
because it dates, it predates because, the stage. Because he goes back to WHN. Right, right. Nobody right. else does. Right. You are the longest. Congrats so on he that. is the, he is the longest. Uh, but um, you know, we everybody through the entire history, the number, and I don't know what the number is, but the number of people that have been here double digits is staggering. Double digit years. Double digit oh, years yeah. here is staggering. I don't know how how what I'm even the, there. The number. <laughs> I'm at thirteen. And you know what? You you can't help but not draw close to each other. Oh yeah. When you've been here ten plus years. Well, you almost not all I you know, I don't know what the number is. But you know what but you it's, have, a, it's a large number. Mick, you have guys that you've been together working with, forget double digit years, twenty plus years. There's a handful that's a that's even a significant that, no, number. I think uh, Dove will probably that it's more than a handful oh, that's yeah. been here for twenty years. Oh yeah, it's more than a handful. No, I think you're right. I mean, I think you can count a lot of them. I don't know how Dove. many. I don't know how many, and I don't know how many for double digits, but I, I I'm comfortable in saying twenty years. It's more than a handful. Mm. Let me get back to the Stan Martin story because you asked me. Yeah, about what that. was that about? So, every update guy will write out a script, including as he was referring to running his, his pregame script. Good afternoon. I'm John Minko. Right. But there was one shift where something happened where Stan was running late. So he needed to use John's script that he had written for the update. Right. So he gets on the air and says, good afternoon. Uh. I'm John Minko. <laughs> Wait a minute. No, I'm not. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> That's a true story. That is great. Well, Mink, this has been something. Yeah, I really appreciate it. You've sat down for a combined of three episodes over three hours. And I think every minute has been entertaining and interesting. So I can't thank you enough. And Dove, you too. I mean, you've, well, sat, you've contributed big time in these last two episodes. See, Dove, Dove, Dove was here basically to, to be to check the facts. Fact checker, to, yes. You know, <laughs> to make sure that I didn't stray off and say, you know, and fantasize on anything here. No. Well, I'll tell you, we learned a lot. Capped off by the fact that you are, quote, probably retiring within a year. Capped off by that. So, Mink, I can't thank you enough. You're a legend at this station. And I want to end by saying this. I respect your Mount Rushmore. But the route, Mount Rushmore of WFAN does indeed include you. I know you're a humble guy about it, but it is true. Now, I don't know who I take off. I think that's the, the complicated part. And John said too many people also. He had five instead that's, of four. They, the thing is, the, the next person to get, in my view, on Mount Rushmore is Dick James, who is— uh, Dick James? Yes. He was he, like the engineer, he, right? Yeah, yeah. He basically built the studios for talk uh, here— and in Astoria. No, he, he is incredibly he, valuable. He I, is. I think there has to be. A, he is a legend that, unless you've been here from the beginning, you don't know about. No, I agree. I think there needs to be two Mount Rushmores. The behind-the-scenes Mount Rushmore and the in-front-of-the-scenes Mount Rushmore. And the in-front-of-the-scenes Mount Rushmore would be Don Imus, Mike Francesa, Christopher Russo, and John Minko. Is that a fair statement, Dove? You can have your opinion. <laughs> that means... <laughs> Maybe we maybe put Summers in instead of you, Mink. I don't know. <laughs> Mink, I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Please go back. If you skipped around, you should listen to the whole thing. Part one, growing up, Minko. Part two, the birth of WFN and what we just did, the growth of WFN. Thank you very much for listening to this very special edition of the Evan Roberts Podcast.